0: The point is this, anyone who is self-employed and owns their own business is somewhere on that spectrum, on that range. Yeah. And the people on the far left are the sole proprietor, one person show, side hustle, freelancer, buys one franchise, has a lifestyle business. Yeah. And the people on the far right and are the greatest entrepreneurs of all time that build empires, Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey, Walt Disney, Henry Ford. So every business owner is somewhere in that range. My point is this, if you have the six essential traits, you're on the right half of that range. Yeah. And if you don't, you're more on the left side. It doesn't mean you can't own a business. Can't mean yeah. doesn't mean you can't be self-employed. It just means you're probably not gonna build an empire. And if you try, you're going to be miserable. So I'm yeah. just trying to head that <laughs> off at of the path.
1: You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. I got one for you today, guys. Do not go anywhere. Do not fast forward. You need to understand what I've got in store for you today. Uh, I'm giddy about this. Uh, I'm a real fan of my guest, and uh, I've used his materials, his teachings, his knowledge to build the companies that I have built. And uh, I owe a lot of my success to uh, the, the, the teaching, the training, the books, the guidance that this gentleman uh, provides to the world, frankly, to everyone. You have just as much access to his knowledge as, as I do. And uh, I have him on the show. And I'm excited, guys. I'm not even going to tease this one. It's Gino Wickman, the author of Traction, among other great books. His latest book is called The Entrepreneurial Leap. It is fantastic. We go through the book in great. Detail. He gives a lot of depth into why uh, he wrote the book, what the book means, why it's useful to people, and what his current mission is. Uh, uh, Gino has been an entrepreneur since 21. He has had an obsession for learning and what makes business thrive. After taking over and transforming his family business at the age of 25, Gino set out to help business leaders achieve their goals based on his years of real-world experience, He created the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS, a practical method for helping companies achieve greatness. And like I said, I use EOS in my companies. I 100% believe in this system. Uh, The EOS tools are being used by more than 70,000 people companies. He's also the author of the award-winning best book, uh, best-selling book called Traction, which I said is is exactly how I built uh, and maintain my companies. Uh, it's called Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business. And his newest endeavor is The Entrepreneurial Leap. And that's what we're talking about today. His mission uh, uh, in The Entrepreneurial Leap is to find all of the entrepreneurs in the making at any age, wherever they are, and help them realize their purpose and live the life they were born to to live, And we talk about that. If you're an entrepreneur, you don't have really a choice. If you want to be happy, you need to be an entrepreneur. And if you're not, you're not. And we really break that down in this discussion, guys. So I'm not gonna make you wait. This was a great interview, uh, really loads of great information. So without any further ado, I give you Gino Wickman. All right, Gino. Thank you, first of all, for agreeing to do this. And welcome to Just Start Real Estate. It is an honor to have you on the show. Thank you, Mike. I'm excited to be here and looking forward to helping some people today. Yeah, me too. And I'm, I'm so excited. I'll tell you what, I'll be honest with you. I'm a book listener more than a book listener hold on to it and read it guy. Uh, but your new book, I knew I wanted to hold on and read it. I wanted to highlight. I wanted to have that tactile, that that, that feeling of it being in my hand again. Uh, and it felt good. So uh, thank you for uh, reminding me how good it feels to hold a book. Uh, I, I, and I, I can't wait to dive into it. But for somebody who right. was born yesterday or lived under a rock or came here from another planet, can you explain a little bit who you are, what, what kind of where, where you started, what, what your life looked like in the early years briefly, and then we'll kind of speed up to where we are now.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and you read my bio. So, you know, assuming that is done, I'll touch on just maybe some other things. But lightning fast, um, you know, we're about to talk about entrepreneurship and becoming an entrepreneur. And so I have been an entrepreneur in the making since I was probably seven is when I started selling stuff. So it's always been in my blood. Um and uh, I, after high school, did not go to college. And so I was different from all of my friends who went off to college. And I just knew academia was not for me. And I just wanted to go make money. I yeah. uh, did not realize I was an entrepreneur yet. Um, and that's the reason for this book and what we're about to talk about because I'm teaching my 18 year old self with this content because at 18, I was a mislabeled, derelict, insecure entrepreneur in the making, I had no idea what I was and I did not know and discover that until I was 29. Yeah. Uh, so I bumped along, but ultimately uh, ended up taking over a family business when I was 25 years old and took on a big turnaround. I turned the business around in three years, ran it for seven years, and then the three partners, uh, we decided to sell, we each owned a third of the business, myself, my dad, and the third partner. And, uh, and then upon selling the business, I stayed on for a year and a half to transition in the new leadership team and then uh, moved on to pursue why I believe I'm on this planet and that is to help entrepreneurs. And what I did in that family business was help my visionary entrepreneur dad turn his business around and, and run the company ultimately. Um, <clears throat> and I was also a member of EO, the entrepreneurs organization. And that's when I really discovered my knack for helping entrepreneurs. And, and so in my early 30s, 20 years plus ago, I set out to help entrepreneurs and in five years created EOS, then decided to leverage it by writing a book and building a team of EOS implementers. Shoot forward in time, we now have 300, 425 implementers all over the world, 100,000 companies running on that system, over a million copies of the book sold. And now I'm investing half of my working time in this passion project, which is all about helping entrepreneurs in the making.
1: Yeah, it, it, we could talk for the whole time about your book Traction. I mean, you've written a lot of great books, but Traction—I'm involved with uh, no less than three companies that run on the Traction model with an implementer. Um, mm-hmm. And I can tell you from my own experience, uh, it is—it's so—it's—it was so critically important to my company, not necessarily starting because I didn't have it when I started, but staying. In business <laughs> it was mm-hmm. it was critical for that, and and the great thing about it is, if you throw at me, and I think a lot of visionary entrepreneurs, you throw at us some sort of a huge playbook that's just like god awful complicated. We're just going to go, we're never going to do it, right? So the great thing about traction is that it, it is very easy to implement. Uh, the concepts are relatively simple, but effective. And I think it's digestible to the point that it's extremely effective, yet not overwhelming, where you feel like, I just don't. I can't. I can't become a student of this. Right? It, it's, it's an easy read, and it's very easy to implement. So thank you for doing that book. I really appreciate it. I know a lot of people who have benefited directly from that book, and that's the why they're still in business. So thank you. My pleasure. Um, so let me ask you a question before we get started. I ask this of a lot of people that I interview, but honestly, you're probably uh, one of the, if not the best qualified to answer it. And, and it's more opinion-based, so I guess there's no right or wrong answer. But in your opinion, can, is an entrepreneur, can you be made an entrepreneur if you are not one in your DNA? Or do you have to be born an entrepreneur to be a successful entrepreneur? Can you learn it from scratch?
0: Well, I have a very strong opinion on this topic. Okay. And good. I think we're gonna I think we're gonna get into it as we get into the content, but I believe a true entrepreneur has six essential traits. Yep. And I believe that those six essential traits cannot be taught. I okay. believe you're born with them. I believe it's nature over nurture. And that is my very, very strong belief.
1: Okay. I, I love it and I don't disagree. I, I, I do think um I, I think you have to be born with it too. I think some people, though, are like uh you know they're like a, a like, they're like a secret cell, or they it's like in them, but nothing nothing stimulates it. I, I was born to a very blue collar, automotive blue collar, you know, uh, union mentality, and and everything entrepreneurial was was stifled and, and and i don't think on purpose but like there was just nothing right it's like if you're i, I think like somebody could be a great piano player right they're a prodigy but nobody puts a pa- piano in front of them but when they do it's like da, 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 it's like whoa this this kid's actually really really good uh, i think that can happen i feel like it happened with me because there was no entrepreneurial anything in my life um uh-huh. but i love it so anyways we'll, we'll get into that and i thank you for that opinion because i i think you're 100 right about that So, uh, getting to the book, your new book, Entrepreneurial Leap. Like I said, I read this in its entirety last week. Uh, I I read it within just a couple of days. Uh, It's not that it's it's too short or too long. It's just I was so engrossed in it and so excited to read it that I I just didn't put it down. So I was able to sit down for you know hours on end and just take notes and highlight. And I showed you before we started. I, I I paper clipped all the pages that I thought I wanted to like reference or go back to or highlight or whatever. And at some point I was like. I had to go ask my wife if she had more paper clips because I was running out. And I showed you the book before we started. It's ridiculous. Like I'll just I'll put it because this will be some of this will be like, like everything was basically paper clips. So anyway, uh a lot of fun. So the six essential <laughs> traits uh that you outlined in the book and reference several times are, and we'll go through them real quick, but I, I kind of want to hear your take on some of these. So visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker, responsible. And in your words, you have to have all of these. You can't. This isn't a pat. This isn't like eighty percent's good, fifty percent. I got most of them. I think I understand. and Can learn. Like these are the traits you have to have. And what I think is really cool about your book, and it's a little counterintuitive, probably for people who want everyone to read their whole book. You literally tell people to stop reading if you don't have these traits, and you get to a certain point in the book where you kind of outline what it means and and uh, and some of the other characteristics of a, of an entrepreneur. Like if you don't have these, you, like you're not an entrepreneur. Do yourself a favor. Avoid a life of hell, like you put it in one of your chapters, and just stop and go to work for somebody and be happy because that's what you're born to do and that's okay. Um, why do they have to have all of these? Why can't we just take off Risk Taker, for example?
0: <laughs> so I write an entire chapter on, you know, what if you don't have this one or that one or this one or that one? And so, short answer is you have to have all six, like you said. Yeah. And I want to. I want to I wanna zoom out for a second and create a little context for your audience so they're tracking with us because I write this book in three parts. I call it confirm glimpse and path. And there is a psychology and a reason behind that linear approach. And so what we're talking about right now, you're asking confirm-related questions. Yep. And so again, just so they have the context, confirm is all about confirming whether you do or do not have these six essential traits. Once we confirm you do. The next part of the book is glimpse, and that's where I show you a glimpse of all the possibilities. And then from there, I take you to path and show you a path to greatly increase your odds of success. So in this confirmed stage, there's a couple of really important things I want to speak to that answers your question kind of indirectly, but but answers it. Because you said something also, this piano analogy, uh, I'm going to steal that from you. I'm going on record. I'm being recorded. (laughs) That was really good because here's why. The whole mission, this is a passion project to, to impact a million entrepreneurs in the making in the next 10 years. And your point about the putting the piano in front of the piano prodigy, 4% of the world are entrepreneurs. 4% of the world have these six essential traits, which means 96% don't. And this book is the piano I want to put in front of the prodigy that is the entrepreneur. And so the yeah, way I describe yeah, it is I talk about how there's pre-med, there's pre-law. This is pre-entrepreneurship. Yeah. And yeah. so it is 100% intended to filter you. And I'm not doing it because I'm some ruthless prick and I want to break your heart. I'm doing it to save your life. I'm doing it to save you 10 years of misery yeah. if you're in the 96%. Now, I hope I'm wrong. And I hope you can learn these six essential traits. You can't, but I hope I'm wrong and you can prove me wrong. Then we'll have more entrepreneurs. But this is what my 30 years of experience has taught me. And so that's kind of point one. Point two is the most important point. If you don't have the six essential traits and I offer a free assessment on the website, you can fill it out in 10 minutes, e-leap.com, the entrepreneur in the making assessment. Fill it out, if you score 90 or higher, you probably have the six essential traits. And if you don't, then you probably don't, but it's a decision you make, but here's the point. It's not a death sentence if you don't score high or you don't have one of these traits or all these traits because there's something I teach in that confirmed part of the book called the entrepreneurial range. And so if your audience in their mind can picture this range, this arc, and on the left side of that arc and range, it are the words self-employed. And on the far right side of that range is are the words true entrepreneur. Yeah. The point is this, anyone who is self-employed and owns their own business is somewhere on that spectrum, on that range. Yeah. And the people on the far left are the sole proprietor, one person show, side hustle, freelancer, buys one franchise, has a lifestyle business. Yeah. And the people on the far right and are the greatest entrepreneurs of all time that build empires, Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey, Walt Disney, Henry Ford. So every business owner is somewhere on that range. My point is this, if you have the six essential traits, you're on the right half of that range. Yeah. And if you don't, you're more on the left side. It doesn't mean you can't own a business. Can't It yeah. doesn't mean you can't be self-employed. It just means you're probably not going to build an empire. And if you try, you're going to be miserable. So I'm yeah. just trying to <laughs> head that off at
1: the path. <laughs> and that's fair. And you, I'm quoting you now in the book. To be frank, I'm going to do everything in my power to scare you away from being an entrepreneur. And like you said, that's not to be mean. It's not to be cruel. It's to really to help you. Because can you imagine if you lose 10 years of your life just to find out you were pursuing oh. something that wasn't what you were supposed to do and and in fact, probably financially was a little damaging, if not fully destructive to your life. So that's, that's probably not a bad thing.
0: And, and, even, and even worse, not only imagine if you did that, think about all the people that did that in the last 50 years and oh, yeah. had 10 years of misery. Oh, thousands and
1: thousands well, and thousands. It's, it's so true. But here's the thing, you know, I think your book is really well-timed because right now it's never been so sexy to say you're an entrepreneur. So uh, people want to be an entrepreneur because they want to be an entrepreneur. When I was younger and, and even certainly before my time, I think when people said I'm an entrepreneur, it was kind of like that's code sign for your unemployed you don't you know what i mean it was a negative a lot of times now it's so sexy everybody's an entrepreneur every teenager young 20s wants to be an entrepreneur and if only four percent of us are that there's a lot of heartbreak coming so uh i i I love that and you also stress in the book and this is clearly something that people lack in 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 a lot of areas is that you say be honest about your abilities and the truth will set you free so reading the book and saying do you have these uh, six essential traits I think the temptation is to go, um, yeah, I think that's me passionate. Yeah, I'm passionate. Am I a problem solver? I think so. You know what I mean? Like you're talking yourself into having these traits. So you repeat many times in the book at the end of a chapter or somewhere in the middle, know thyself, right? (laughs) Know know thyself. So it's really important. And you talked about that range. Um, uh, So the characteristics, though, of an entrepreneur are different than the six essential traits. You list some characteristics of an entrepreneur. And I'm just going to throw a couple of them out there real quick. Now, Mm -hmm. with these you're using more of what you call the 80% rule. You don't have yeah. to have 100% of these characteristics, but you should have most of them. And, yeah. and I'm just going to label them sort of like the good and the challenging characteristics, right? You got Among it. the good ones, lead generator, dreamer, learner, curious person, likes to stretch, always thinking about the future, passionate, driven, ambitious, self-motivated, dominant, all these things that it's like, yes, I am I, all those things, right? But just like... Um, uh, just like how you know some things can be good or bad, there are some challenging sides, right? You have a hard time staying focused. You get bored easily. You're disorganized. You're a control freak, a perfectionist. You're not necessarily financially savvy, among other things, right? So I am I adhere to something, and I'll talk about it a little later because you mentioned it in the book. But self assessments, right? Like the DISC or the Colby. Uh, I use the Culture Index. I'm, I'm familiar with that. I, I don't know how deeply you get into the the, the Culture Index, but one thing that I've learned, in my, my profile in the Culture Index is what's called a daredevil. So it's like very, very driven. And mm. then there's like this line graph. And my line goes almost at a complete diagonal from driven of like nine and a half to um, the last thing, which is uh, D, which is really like your detail or, or that kind of thing. It's like a zero. So I have, and so as you go up, I have no patience. I have no attention to detail. I'm disorganized. I have a hard time staying focused. Like all those things where it seems really sexy, like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm, I'm great in every way. There's a lot of drawbacks to having this personality that people and I it took me a long time to really grasp and 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 come to the point where I could admit that I had these things cuz I thought I'm not disorganized I'm I'm not at all I can I can but I'm not I'm not organized and I know I need to surround myself with people who are organized. So that's sort of a different tangent but there are challenging sides of this. So when you think about being an entrepreneur and it's like that would be the greatest thing in the world it is but not only in business do you have some of these challenging characteristics but in, in, your whole life like everything about you is that way so when your wife is like hey did you get everything from the grocery store and you're like "Ah, oh, i, I <laughs> totally forgot well that's the one thing i sent you for it's like I know, I totally forgot. Right, so it can creep into your personal life, which is which is really really cool. So, do you find that most people like go, "Oh, I've got all these great ones and the challenging ones. Ah, do I have all those? I'm pretty pretty financially savvy. Like, I'm not. I'm organized." And they try to deny the bad characteristics. Or in your, ex- your experience, do people just like, "Yeah, it's me."
0: Yeah, that prompts a few thoughts. You know, so first of all, yes, they deny it. And most <laughs> deny it and don't want to believe it. And and the ones that I can convince to believe it, it's the most freeing moment of their life because you already said it. You go find someone and hire someone to handle all those weaknesses of yours. Yeah. But, you know, you're like I said, it prompts a couple of thoughts. The first one is um, with great strengths come great weaknesses. And when I <laughs> do that riff in the book and I share those characteristics as you hit on some of those, you know, I picture that entrepreneur standing there in the Superman or Superwoman pose, you know, thinking that they're God's gift to the earth. And that's when I then hit him with where you went next. And I said, hold on, before you get too cocky, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of things wrong yeah. with you. Yeah. So we have to admit we're a little screwed up. And yeah. so it's not what the, the message I'm trying to convey in that is entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur is not like this ultimate career destination. It's not the pinnacle in life. It's one of many career choices. Yep. Yeah and it's hard and it's brutal and most entrepreneurs die broke and so it's it's unfortunately the media and the hype and the yeah. sizzle have made this so sexy and it's just not it's the new rock star from the 70s and 80s everybody wants to wanted to be a rock star back then now they all want to be entrepreneurs and so this is a cautionary tale and and i'm just trying to find you know you said something else at the beginning of this where you talked about um You know, people have this thing simmering in them and they don't know that it's there. Well, my goal is to find the 4% in the world. There's 7.5 billion and 4% of them are entrepreneurs. I want to find them. And then the last little point you prompt is then I ache for the the poor entrepreneur in the making who's 13 years old, who has two parents that are not entrepreneurs, and and they don't understand entrepreneurship. And so they look at their poor child as some derelict, and (laughs) and they're an entrepreneur. So I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. So I fit in like a glove. But, But I ache for both parties, because this book helps that parent or those parents understand this wild and crazy being that they have in their house. And it also helps that wild and crazy being understand what they are and see that there is a path in life for them. And then I show them a glimpse of that life and a path to make it a reality.
1: Yeah. You mentioned that a lot of entrepreneurs die broke, but would you agree that a true entrepreneur, true entrepreneur would rather die broke being an entrepreneur than have money and being stuck in a cubicle? 100%.
0: 100%. Yeah,
1: I, I would not disagree with that one bit. So if if that scares you, the thought of dying broke scares you more than the thought of working from a cubicle, you're probably not an entrepreneur, I think. Uh, you, you put in here a great quote from Jim Rome. I loved it because I, I'm a big fan of like very plain talk and blunt kind of a thing. It, the, the quote is, motivation alone is not enough. If you have an idiot and you motivate him, now you have a motivated idiot. And I think that is like so true. And motivation, interestingly, you, you, you put, Up that uh, you put that quote in the book. I think motivation and motivational sayings and things like that are great. I think they they can spur you along in the moment. But to me, motivation is a little bit like sugar in that it will jazz you up for a minute and then you'll crash and you'll kind of forget why you were so jazzed up to begin with. And so I, I love that motivation just isn't enough, right? You can't just motivate somebody. You can do it. You're great. You have it. You're strong. Like go. Like that's not. Entrepreneurs don't necessarily need that, right? If you have to be motivated, perhaps you don't have the fourth essential trait, which is driven. And I and I think this one, I love this one. They're all important. Obviously, you make that very clear. Uh, but I think one of the, the ones that are missing from a lot of people who tell me they're entrepreneurs is they are not driven. They don't have a sense of urgency. Um, they They just sort of, you know, it's like, well, I want to start a business. Great. Let's talk about it. Well, I'm going to, you know what? Easter's coming. Let's wait till after Easter. And then after Easter, it's like, hey, you know what? The kids are getting out of school. It's kind of a bad time. We're going to vac-. like, nope, that's you're not it's not for you because you're finding every excuse in the world to push this off. Uh, if you had to do it, you have to do it. And I think it's a little bit like for an entrepreneur. It's like being held underwater, not being able to, to do what they need to do to drive forward. And all you can think about when you're underwater is getting air. And if you don't feel that way about your business, I, I sometimes suggest to people they're not entrepreneurs. So I, I love it, man.
0: Yeah. And in here, here, you know, and first of all, I hope you've been in radio your whole life because don't let that voice go to waste. Holy (laughs) crap. But but I'm sitting here listening to you. And I think I'd rather just sit here for the rest of the podcast and listen to you read your notes because you're nailing everything. And ironically, every time you share something, it's prompting three simultaneous thoughts. So I'm trying to keep my responses short, but I really do want to respond to what you said there, even though you didn't ask me a question. So the first thing (laughs) I shared the Jim Rowan quote. And I, I honestly got, I wrestled and rarely do I wrestle with putting something blunt in a book, but it makes the point mm. because he's saying, you know, motivation alone does not do it. And so if you have an idiot and you motivate an idiot, all you have is a motivated idiot. I mean, for one, that's <laughs> pretty that. freaking funny. Yeah. And the sensitive people will have an issue with that, but that's okay. Yeah. But my point, you, it's what's vital is the point. And the point is this, there are people on this planet teaching people to be entrepreneurs and motivating them to be entrepreneurs and pushing them to be entrepreneurs. And they're not entrepreneurs. And they believe they can literally teach 7.5 billion people on this planet to be entrepreneurs. That is a sin. That is a sin. And so you're motivating somebody that doesn't have these skills and you're saying, go start that business. Just go do it. Just go do it. You just destroyed that person's life. And so for me, having seen all of that pain and carnage, I can't not say, wait, put on the brakes. Let's just make sure you're cut out for this. Yeah. And then if you yeah. choose to do it, even if you score low, hey, it was a choice you made. But you know, when people say I'm a motivational speaker, that's the last thing on earth I am, I immediately shoot back and say, listen, I don't motivate people. What I teach is motivating to motivated people, yeah. but I don't motivate yeah. people. Yeah. And
1: and and so I just had to say that I'm going to bite my tongue and shut my mouth and turn the floor over to you. I'm telling you, man. You, listen, you're the guest. I really want to hear more from you than from me. Uh, but I'm so excited about the book, and there's so much that I want to cover. I feel like oh, if people need to hear this. And, and I'm not obviously we could talk about all the traits. We could talk about it all day long. But the next one I want to talk about, and then I want to move on a little bit, is the the fifth one, uh, which is blame no one. This one to me is is so important it, that it's become one of the values of my company and it's become mm-hmm. one of my personal values. And I'll be honest with you, the first time that I heard this articulated in a way that like you did was when I read the book Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willing. Great book. The concepts is exactly what you're talking about here. It, it, if you're the kind of person who tries to blame everyone else, the government, your age, your race, your height, your weight, your gender, um, the person who works down the hall from you, your whatever. Like if it's always someone else, you're you're never going to be an entrepreneur. You have to accept blame for everything. Whether you feel like it really falls, it doesn't matter. It's all you. And the minute you start doing that in your... In your personal life, I'm sorry, your your professional life and your personal life, by the way, watch how your personal life blossoms with your husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Watch how it blossoms when you start accepting blame for everything. And it does a really interesting thing in that when you accept blame for everything, if it truly really doesn't fall objectively more on your ledger as much as on the other one, they will feel the need to reciprocate and say, no, 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 actually, I probably that's more me, you know, and you start getting this culture of people who w- refuse to push blame off. And it's, it's so important. I think it's huge for a company, but it's huge for a person individually. So I love that one one of my favorites.
0: All right. And, and, and once again, you prompted three things. So I'll say them quick. First <laughs> of all, is it, first of all, is an edit on what you said. So it's the sixth essential trait, not the fifth. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. And, and it's actually called responsible. And then the way I describe responsible, one of the ways is by saying blame no one. And so I just want to clarify that right. so we're not causing any confusion, but, right. but I, I, I just have to say two more quick things. I love that you're going there. And and it's funny, this one is always striking and off-putting when somebody hears the first five, these five really cool words and all of a sudden, where the hell does responsible come out of nowhere? So you are spot on. And and so I love, I'll I'll leave that with you and what you said, but if the world would just take responsibility, holy crap, the world would be a better place. But here's the sad reality of the world. Half the people take responsibility when something goes bad and half don't. Mm-hmm. And the reason I can tell you these traits, you're born with them and they can't be taught is using responsible as an example. How does a household with four kids end up with two that take responsibility and two don't? And those of you listening, think about your siblings and think yeah. about all the people in your life. Yeah. You can put them all in two camps. Those kids were brought up in the same household by the same parents. Yeah. So it's nature over nurture. Yeah. And, and, and so with that, the last little funny thing, i the best way I've heard this described is that if you're an entrepreneur and you own a building and that building gets hit by a meteor, that was your fault. In in other words, a responsible person says, I chose that building. I built that building. I moved there. That's my fault. This is my problem to solve. Where again, the other half of the world blames everyone else for their problem that just happened.
1: Totally. And I feel like I've I've vindicated myself as a true entrepreneur by having very bad attention to detail and being not focused enough to misquote your traits. So sorry about that. You're right. It is oh, six and no it's responsible, problem. No but I almost feel like I kind of like tipped my hand on it. what a great entrepreneur I must be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so by the way, I just want to mention to your worksheets at the end of the chapters are phenomenal. And I think that's really? great because as you're reading this, it really is helpful to jot notes and, and put that in there. So I, I loved having that chapter nine, living the nightmare, a day in hell, uh, Uh, is a really great chapter because I think it really helps people understand what it can mean if you try to do this and you are not cut out for it. Um, And I think you, you mentioned the eight critical mistakes that create the nightmare scenario for people is Among them, I'm not going to read them all, but not having a vision, hiring the wrong people, not staying true to your core, not knowing your numbers, huge, uh, not crystallizing roles and responsibilities, and a lot of this goes back, and it it sort of is, um, you know, it it reminds me of things that you said in Traction too, right? There's some overlap there of how of of how this needs to be done. Uh, So I think that that was huge for people to see, you know, what it is that really does it. And I'll tell you what, in this book, there are so many times when I read it and said. That list or that that piece alone is worth the the cost of the book and the time it takes to read it. Like it, it, some of these things are so, I don't even think people understand how important some of these things that you're telling them are. It, it's incredible <laughs> that if they would just you know listen to even half of what you're saying in this book, they'll be so much better off. Uh, and then chapter nine is the path of how to increase your odds to entrepreneurial success. Um, and I'm not going to read them all, but among them, uh, you mentioned mentorship. Mentorship is. I, I think people in this day and age, because we have Google, we have uh, YouTube, we have all these resources, I don't need a mentor, I don't need help, I can figure it out. And I can tell you from experience, I did that for about five years. And I, I struggled, I bounced around, I was unfocused, I didn't know what to do. And, and while there is a lot of information out there, there, anyone can put information out there. I can start a YouTube channel and talk about anything I want. doesn't mean I know what I'm talking about. So why mentorship? And why did you take time to talk about that?
0: Yeah, and and let me, I just want to back up again and just come back to the context, because I want to really make sure we're anchoring this for your audience, because we've now covered Glimpse, we quick, I'm sorry, we've covered Confirm, we quickly touched on Glimpse, and now we're in Path. And I just want to back up the truck to Glimpse really quick, because you touched on one thing I'm trying to accomplish in Glimpse, which is to show this entrepreneur in the making a day in the life, both heaven and hell, okay? And sure. so, what it looks like when it's really good, and what it looks like when it's really bad, yeah. and sadly, most entrepreneurs are living the nightmare, and some are living the dream. And I'm happy to say, most of my clients, they're all living the dream. But in that, it's called glimpse. This part of the book, I'm wanting this entrepreneur to make me to see what's possible, see the best and worst case, so that they will head it off at the pass. Yeah. And then I offer up those eight critical mistakes that almost every entrepreneur makes that puts them in the nightmare. And then I just want to quickly touch on, in Glimpse, I also share countless real-world stories so that you can see what entrepreneurs who were where you are and what they built. Yeah. And then I also share a tool called MyBizMatch that helps you see every business option available to you and figure out what type of business you're drawn to, yeah. industry, product, service, B2B, B2C size. And so now, in answering your question, you're on to PATH, yep. and in PATH, what I'm doing there is I'm trying to give guideposts to show a path to eliminate half the mistakes that you're about to make and also greatly increase your odds of success. And one of those is finding a mentor. Yeah. And so I would say a couple of things on your mentor question. Um, first of all, having a mentor will get you there faster. But please know that not having a mentor, that doesn't mean you're going to fail. So don't. It's, yes. it's not like it's over. Yep. It's just going to help. And so a mentor is simply someone who is where you want to be forming a relationship and and an opportunity for them to share their wisdom, you to share your problems, insights, thoughts, questions, challenges, and then help you because they've experienced all that. And so if you want to build a $10 million furniture company, go find somebody who has a $10 million furniture company and they'll speed up your learning. Yeah. What's different today? You know, I had two amazing mentors in my 20s, and so 20, 30 years ago, mentor pure mentorship was a one-to-one non-paid relationship. Yeah. Well, in this day and age, you know, there are paid mentors. I'm a paid mentor. I'm a business coach. I help yeah. entrepreneurs and they pay me, and that's a mentoring relationship. Masterminds are paid mentorships. YouTube, all these resources that exist in the world now, so if you can't go find that one-to-one relationship, That's a non-paying relationship, which I urge you to try. There are many other resources as well. So don't feel like that's the only path today.
1: But it is a great path it is a great path and I think you also make mention in the book of how like you said old old times or, or times past it was this one to one non-paid and it's sort of people under it was very understood that that was a great way to learn and now mm-hmm. I think people have gotten away from understanding exactly how valuable that can be so i I totally agree with you I will say this if you if you are looking for a mentor and and there is somebody with that ten million dollar furniture company and then you want a ten million dollar furniture company, please just don't go to them and say hey, uh, can you teach me how to build a company like yours? Like it just, there's, they're busy, like treat, always go at people with value first and try to figure out how you can make it a win-win because these people are getting asked a lot probably. So
0: yeah. So. And, and on that too, I give a very specific step-by-step yeah. process for how
1: to find a mentor, how to manage that relationship and how to give that value. Yeah, so it's totally. Absolutely. Um, in chapter 10, you you touch on the whole college uh, thing, uh, debate, I guess. I, there's a lot of talk about that nowadays, more, more so than 20 years ago, there was no debate. People just said you need to go to college. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I know where you stand on it because I read the book, but let's I want to talk about that for a minute because I think the folks listening to this that are at the point where they're making that decision, um, you said in the book that you've asked uh, several successful entrepreneurs their thoughts on whether or not college... Um, if they use anything that they learn in college in their business. And you said it's almost a hundred percent. No, but what you did do, and and listen, this is a long chapter. I'm, I'm obviously cherry picking certain parts of it, but uh, you do, you do mention what they, the, the classes that they would recommend if, they were going to go to college, or recommend college, or if you're in college, like some of the classes um, that that you recommend, and you also gave a comprehensive list, or not comprehensive, but a long list of people who never went to college who were highly successful, and uh, and people who who. Uh, who did and didn't, basically is my point. People who did not didn't go to college who were uh, highly successful. So real quickly, because I think it's interesting, and people maybe not know this, did not go to college. Bill Gates, Richard Branson, Michael Dell, Steve Jobs, Walt Disney, right? Not a bad list of folks to try to emulate. And those those are people that did not get a degree. Some went and didn't
0: finish. Most did not go at all.
1: 100%. Exactly. And then people who did go and get their degree, uh, David Packard, Jeff Bezos, Larry Page, Mark Cuban, Martha Stewart, Oprah Winfrey, Sam Walton. not bad also. Your point being it's not like you shouldn't go or you should go. It's just it isn't necessarily a hundred percent something that you have to do in order or in order to be successful.
0: If you're going to be an entrepreneur,
1: yes yeah that's true I guess if you're going if you're going to be a doctor, please please go oh. to medical school. I do not want to hear about people trying to be <laughs> doctors without a medical school um, but but some of the classes that you reco- that these folks that you talked to said they would recommend and again, I'm not reading the whole list but entrepreneurship obviously is a good one uh, psychology economics finance accounting philosophy sales negotiation marketing communicate all these things that you will actually will for sure use in a business setting or as you're building a business so um yeah. Great stuff, and I think that whole college thing. I, I have two kids. I'm sorry, three now that are in college. Uh, three kids, two of them through college, one in college. Um, it, it is for some people. It, if depending on what you want to do, it's required in some cases. One of my daughters is a, is a teacher. You know, to teach in a school, you have to have a teaching degree. So uh, the other one is um, is an engineer. So again, it's you know, it's one of these things where it depends on what you want to do and, and where you want to go and. You know, is that something that's going to absolutely make you a great entrepreneur? Not necessarily, but it but it certainly doesn't hurt. So, um, yeah, I I love it, man. Chapter eleven: Discover your passion. So this is huge. Um, And another way to express passion, you said, is purpose and cause and calling. Talk if you don't mind. Tell me a little bit about why you know people talk about passion all the time. This is my passion. My passion project. Blah blah. If you're passionate, does that mean that maybe you could be an entrepreneur? Like where does passion fall into all of this?
0: Yeah, well, it shows up in two places in the book and it's two different words. One is called passionate and one is called passion. Passionate is an essential trait and that is one of the six you must have to be an entrepreneur. And so passionate people that exhibit this trait, we've all seen them, but we've also seen people that are not passionate, people that have no passion. It's obvious, okay? So that's the trait having a passion is a whole different conversation and a story. And what I believe wholeheartedly when I'm teaching in that chapter, because I'm teaching the vital necessity of a passion and how to discover your passion. I yeah. give seven exercises for discovering your passion. And so what I believe is it is the number one reason you're going to succeed as an entrepreneur is having a passion for something. Okay. Because, As an entrepreneur, when you take your entrepreneur leap, and for 10 years, you're going to get knocked on your ass often. And the only thing that gets an entrepreneur to pick themselves up and continue to go against every odd is passion, because it's borderline stupidity to keep charging forward. (laughs) And so passion is the thing that keeps you in the game and gives you energy. So with that said, it's vital, in my humble opinion, um, and so it's a matter of discovering your passion. Like I said, I give all of those exercises for how to do that. But I will tell you that your passion tends to stem from a past wound, a pain, a suffering, mm-hmm. an experience. And so I'm passionate about helping entrepreneurs live their ideal life because I helped my visionary entrepreneur dad save his company. And I was a struggling entrepreneur in the making when I was 18. So these are painful experiences in my life that yeah have made me who I am. And so, you know, and I'm, I think of the woman that created that mop and there was the movie about her. So there she is at home raising kids and has this mopping issue for her for, that there's pain she experienced. And she invented this damn mop and became a freaking millionaire from this mop. That's, yeah. She's pursuing a passion from a painful experience in her home.
1: Yeah. I, you're so right. What if people say to you, and maybe they have, I think I know the answer, but I want to lob one out there. It may be something that's very obvious. What if someone says, "My passion is money. I, I want to make a lot of money. That's my. That's what I'm passionate about. That's my passion. Is that enough? Yeah. Well, I would say if your passion is
0: money, become a banker and investor. <laughs> so, um, but but I so I do have a real hard time with that. And so yeah. all I can call on is my 30 years of experience and what I'm teaching the world. And to jump to the EOS side of things you know, we're working with successful entrepreneurs that have existing businesses that have had success. And one of the things we're doing in that process is we're getting them to reignite their passion and remember why they started this. And so they're just kind of going back to why the business exists, what is their passion, purpose, cause. And and, and so in doing so, I find that, you know, the passion falls into one of four categories and I'm gonna say them very fast. It's either about the customer or the client, you know, making that impact. It's about building an amazing organization. It's about uh, innovation, creating things, or it's about winning, crushing competitors, succeeding. And so those are all the different
1: types of passions. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm sorry, my ADD kicked in. What was your question? (laughs) Uh, If if someone basically says their passion is money, like I just, I wanna make a million dollars. so, so, So the point in that is, we always teach.
0: It's beyond money. I get that. It, we Most of us entrepreneurs are capitalists. Being a capitalist is a good thing. Yeah. I am a capitalist. Sure. So, so I want to make a lot of money. I intend to make a lot of money, but that's not what drives me. And I think if that's what motivates and drives you and that's your passion, I think it's dangerous. So I just think there's something deeper that goes beyond money. It's okay to want to make a lot of money. Yeah, um, And so I would just challenge someone that says, you know, I'm doing it for the money. There's an exercise you can do called five whys. You know, you just keep asking why, why, why. And yes. then you get to the real reason. Yeah. And then the money follows. When you pursue your passion and go build something in the world and create value in the world, the yep. money follows and as much as you
1: want. I totally agree. I think when people say money is their passion, they're not—they're at the surface. They're just not digging deep enough. Exactly. Like, why is money exactly. so important to you? Well, when I was a kid, my mom had to work twelve hours a day, and my dad wasn't around. I never saw her. I never got to spend time with her. It's like, oh, so it's time—it's quality time with your family that you're—you're you're afraid of not having quality time. Like that's the passion. It's not the money. It's yeah. you're, not, you're not going deep enough.
0: And that reminds me of—I did a podcast with a guy who we were having this debate, and he said, you know, my passion is money because when I think back to when I started the business. I needed to survive, I needed to make money, I needed to pay the bills. So I get that. When you're in survival mode.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Money is really important. At the end of the day you're going to discover it's not your passion. And yeah. so this great little conversation we had helped him realize, you know, this
1: is the real passion. Yeah. I just had to
0: focus on money to
1: survive. Yeah. And that's okay. A starving okay. a starving person's passion is food. <laughs> but it's not really your passion. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that's great. I love that. Uh, in chapter 13, <clears throat> you talk about take action. You said they call it take action and be patient, right? Which seems contradictory. Yes. Tell me what that means. What does that mean? Take action and be patient.
0: Yeah, it is contradictory, and it is the yin and the yang, and this is an art. So what I'm teaching in that chapter is the power of 10-year thinking, okay? And so when I discovered this at 35, it was life-changing. And so the idea here is to get you as this hard-charging entrepreneur from thinking about now, 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 today, this week, this month, and shift your thinking to 10-year timeframes. And what I've learned is when you do that and you start making 10-year decisions, time slows down, There's a peace that comes over you. You make Hmm. better decisions. And ironically, you get there faster. Hmm. And so I learned that 18 years ago and it changed my life. And so I'm just trying to change because you still got to move forward. You still got to take action. But think in 10-year timeframes. And then Bill Gates has a great quote. He says, people overestimate what they can get done in a year, but they underestimate what they can get done in 10 years. There's so much you can accomplish in a 10-year time frame. You can build an empire in a 10-year time frame.
1: I couldn't agree more. I, Gary Vaynerchuk has something he says all the time that I really love. It's kind of in this vein. It's He says you need to have macro patience and micro impatience. So in the in the big scheme of things, you have to be patient, but in the small so things, total impatience. So well said. I love Gary. Love that. Gary. Yeah, I do too. I, he's great. You talk about it in chapter 14, as we're kind of moving along here, uh, the eight disciplines uh, to increase your odds of success. And, and I think these are, uh, these are really helpful to people because again, the, these are these are the lists where people go, oh, okay, they read them, bah, 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 bah. that's awesome. But if you've been in if you've been an entrepreneur for right, like the time, you look at these and go, "Wow, this is great. This is stuff that I wish someone had told me, right? So there are things like clarify your vision, right? Even something that small, I have seen people. Who don't truly know what their vision is for their company, and it it can't succeed if you don't know what you're trying to do. Um, decide if you are a partner person. I, I have a business where I have a partner, and it and it works and it makes sense. I've seen so many businesses fail because of somebody took on a partner, and they needed an employee. They needed to hire someone to do something, and instead they hi- they brought in a partner and gave them half the company, and it can be a, it can be a total disaster. It doesn't have to be. Um, I'm not going to get them all, but always have a plan B. When I saw always have a plan B, my initial reaction was to bristle. I'll be honest. Like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 plan B. You're not really committed if you have a plan B, but that wasn't what you meant. Can you talk about what that means to have a plan B?
0: Yeah, for sure. So um, short and sweet, when you launch your business with a plan, it is going to change. So this isn't so much about having a plan B, although you need to. This is about knowing that yeah. plan A is going to change. And it's either gonna change in three months, you're gonna get your ass kicked and it's gonna completely change drastically, yeah. or it's some minor tweaks along the way. So the point I'm teaching, because I jokingly say have a plan B, C, D and E, and I'm, and I'm, try, I'm more making <laughs> yeah. a joke about that. You don't have to go that far but it's going to change. And so you've got to be on your toes on the ready and know what you're going to do if this plan doesn't work. And the more that you can do that and hold two thoughts, odds are you're going to survive your first ass kicking.
1: Yeah. And, and the way I read plan B was if your business doesn't, this is what I thought before I read it. If oh, I yeah. thought what you're saying is be ready to go back to a day job if this doesn't work. And I thought, well, wait a minute, that that isn't, but that's not what you meant. It's like pivot. Like Be, be aware that you're going to have to change course a few times because your first thought of how this is all going to work will not work. So uh, I love that. Work hard, really hard. I love it. I love it. It's again, Gary Vee says all the time, a lot of people, anybody who has a business successful understands it's hard work. It's not all, it's not all easy. Um, <clears throat> the next one I think is trips people up, especially entrepreneurs because we are so driven and so confident a lot of times that you, you're the one I'm talking about is take criticism and doubt with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you're very confident and you you're very driven and you you have a hard time with criticism. And, and I think some of this has to do with maybe what happened in your life, maybe how you were raised or whatever. But, but why 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 take criticism with, in, with a grain of salt? Why? Why why not just let it crush you?
0: <laughs> well, I think you've already answered <laughs> yeah, your question. Exactly. But, the, but the point is, if you do this, if you decide you're an entrepreneur, you've got these six essential traits, you're going to take your lead you're going to take your leap. You're going to be met with criticism. And if you bounce it off your mom, dad, brother, sister, best friend, neighbor, whatever, you're going to be met with criticism. And if you listen to all of that criticism, but let's shift that, i.e. advice, because they're all trying to give you advice. If you listen to all of that advice, you will twist yourself in a knot. And so there's a fun little story I tell in the book, because the point is, you've got to glean from all of that advice what works for you. And literally you got to throw out 90% of what you hear, because again, you'll fall into a death spiral if you start to let that criticism eat you alive. But it's, it's, it's advice. It's just terrible advice that is defined as criticism. And so the story, I was told this was Walt Disney, but I can't perfectly quote. I've had researchers look for this story. I read it in a book and I can't find it either. But long story short, I think that's who this was. But I, you can't quote me on that, unfortunately. Okay. But a very famous, very successful entrepreneur had what he called a board of really intelligent people. And as the story goes, uh, I can't remember the number, six, eight, 10 people. He would bounce all of his ideas off this board of very smart people. And as the story goes, he said when 7 out of 10 hated it, he knew he had a winner. <laughs> and when 10 out of 10 hated it, he knew it was revolutionary. So, so <laughs> the great. point is... People have lots of freaking opinions, and most of them are bad with all due love yeah. and respect. So you got to take it all with a grain of salt. You got to take it all with a grain
1: of salt. You know what I find, and I, I say this, this is something that I, I say all the time, is when you ask family or when you talk to family about what you want to do, you're an entrepreneur, chances are they're not. You, you tell them what you want to do, you're met with criticism, but what they're trying to do, their agenda when they're talking to you about this is to keep you safe. That's their yeah, agenda. They're trying to help you. But but being an entrepreneur is the farthest thing from safe that you can get. So they're trying to keep you in a place that is inherently not entrepreneurial. So they mean well, right? They want to keep you safe. Your mom wants you to be safe. Your dad wants you to be safe. But by definition, they're keeping you from being what it is that you need to be. So um, it's just safety. They're just trying to keep you safe.
0: Don't For sure. That. Their intentions are good. Their intentions are always
1: good. Eh, most of the time, their intentions are good. Exactly. Exactly. We don't know everyone's parents, but we assume your mom and dad love you and they're trying to help you. Um, chapter 15, again, I'm cherry picking a little bit, but there's some things that struck me that I think people need to hear um, specifically, you know, some of these hard headed entrepreneurs that you're probably talking to here is um, building your business, the nine stages, right? I- I'm not going to go through them all. I'm, I'm, I-, I could talk to you all day, but unfortunately, you have other things <laughs> other than me in your life, I think so. Uh, but stage nine, we're just going to hop to stage nine, capitalizing on coaching, training and mentoring. I, again, we're hitting the mentoring thing again, and we're we're adding in coaching and training. I know that you, because you said it in the book, you spend a considerable amount of money on educating yourself. You are a fan of being open to paying to learn and become better at things. Sometimes entrepreneurs again think I I know it all. I'm hard driving. If you have a, a culture index like me, it's like I think I know everything. But people should understand why it's so important, and just briefly, uh, we talked about mentoring let 's talk about paid coaching, for example okay i 'm not paying someone I will pay them all that money to coach me. what Why should people consider this at some stage? Maybe in, in the very very beginning, you have no money and you're bootstrapping, maybe you don't have the money, but at some point when you have the money, why should they do that?
0: yeah, and I, and I would say if you don't have any money, go to youtube and Search a bunch of videos. Yeah. There are a yeah. ton of mentors waiting for you. You just have to find them. It's a lot of work. Yeah. I choose not to do that level of work. So I would say a couple of things. While I did not go to college, I've spent enough money in the last 30 years to get a PhD three times over. So I spend, I average in the last 30 years, I spend 5% of my income on education. So I'm a fanatic about education and I. Choose to go to the best. So I've mm-hmm. been a student of the Strategic Coach program, which I recommend for every entrepreneur for the last 24 years. Yep. and I paid Dan Sullivan a lot of money to coach me, in addition to other training. So I am a fanatic about learning. Um, knowledge is power, and and so you know I, I'm convinced you've got to educate yourself. And there are a lot yep. of ways yep. to do it if you can't afford to do it. So. I'm a strong proponent. And so coaches, masterminds, these are all great resources. Just make sure you find the right one for you because one coach for this entrepreneur is not a great coach for this entrepreneur. So you got to find your perfect fit.
1: Hundred percent. I, I want to say when we start before we started this conversation on air, when we were off air, you said I, I'm not. I don't want to tease the book. I want to teach. Go as deep as you want. Give away as much of the information in the book as you want. And I truly appreciate that. But because of time, and because I want to respect your time, there. The the last thing I really want to talk about for a minute is I. I believe honestly, if you just if someone were to rip these pages out of the book and give them to someone, you could. Absolutely changed the course of everything for them for the better. It's advice that I wish that I wish everyone had who was an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur in the making. And you gave. Um, two groups of of lessons that you went back or in your in your teachings and in conversations with entrepreneurs they said looking back two questions looking back advice you would give an entrepreneur in the making considering taking the leap and there was a group of of 10 lessons that that you would tell them if they, in that situation and then the second question was advice uh you would have given yourself before you uh before you did what you did knowing what you know now what would you yeah. tell yourself i'm telling you um there's so many reasons why I could kiss your butt because I think you're phenomenal and amazing and, and brilliant. But I'm telling you, those two lessons, those two sets of 10, I think are worth 10,000 times the cost of the book because it will save you 10,000 times the cost of the book if you read those and you take them to heart. Because these aren't like, you know, unfortunately, I've read books where I feel like somebody sat down and said, okay, I need 10 lessons. Let me think. And they just jot down 10, and it's like, that's good enough. I, I truly 100% believe these were told to you over time by entrepreneurs who were great because every single one of them is pure gold. So mm-hmm. get the book. If for no other reason, you're you're going to read that. I mean, you should read the whole thing, obviously. But I'm telling you, these, these two lessons are insanely, yeah, insanely I, important. I, I,
0: yeah, and I can't help but say this to that. So one of the things my dad taught me, who's one of my greatest mentors, is um, whenever you're with someone who you look up to, ask this question, what is the number one greatest piece of advice you would give me? Just just get their one thing. Don't ask for their 10 lessons. And so what you just read and what's in that book is, or what you just shared, that's me asking at least a hundred very successful entrepreneurs for their number one greatest piece of advice for your audience. And so there it is. And what's awesome is they started repeating themselves you know, so out of the hundred, yeah, there are about ten lessons from a hundred of the greatest small business entrepreneurs you'll find, and small meaning you know two to a hundred million dollar companies, yeah, so anyway, so it comes i 'm not making any of this shit up, it all comes from the real
1: world <laughs> I believe it, and it's what 's cool about that it's like you said you asked a hundred entrepreneurs and maybe they they gave you their one, and so you have this list of a hundred things, and then it's like, what are the top ten that were repeated the most with the most frequency that the most they believe the most so I I I believe at some point I'm going to do a whole podcast just on those lists. I, I think they're so important. It can't be overstated. Um and and thank you for for being so incredible. Like the resources you give in this book, by the way, Gino. I mean the blogs, the po- the books, the other books that you that you reference, podcasts, self assessments, um lists of like different industries that might be right for you based on who you are and what motivates. Like the book is is a it's a course. In in not only determining yes I'm an entrepreneur no I'm not which will save you tons of grief if you're not but if you are it it really empowers you to understand how your why your brain works the way it does what a, your life can and should look like if you're if you're doing this at a high level and then just tons of resources to educate yourself outside of just the book itself so um, my goodness like I said. I, I I could go on for hours. I really could. Uh, I'd love to talk about traction and how much that helped me. Uh, But I think people should grab that book as well. But uh, Entrepreneurial Leap, go and get it. Uh, It's worth 10 times the cost of the book. A great book always is, and this falls under that category. A great book that's worth
0: it. Yeah, and Mike, I I, I have to urge two things, okay? So first of all, the epicenter of everything Entrepreneurial Leap is at the website e-leap.com. And there is a wealth of free tools, okay? This is a passion project. Certainly I would love everyone in your audience to buy the book and they should, Um, but whether they do or don't, there's a couple of things they're gonna find at the website. Number one is that free assessment that we already talked about. Number two is when we talk about the three parts of the book, confirm, glimpse, half, I created something called the one, two, three roadmap. And what the one, two, three roadmap is the three most powerful tools from each step in the book. So the assessment, the My Biz Match, and the My Vision Clarifier. Those are the three tools that if they fill those out, if they click on the one, two, three roadmap button on the website, in an hour, they can fill out those three tools and they will have a roadmap to start a better startup. So I just urge nice. them to do it because it's all free. There's, yeah. They're not paying one penny for that. They can also get a free chapter of the book, download that from the website. So there's just an amazing wealth of knowledge and tools there that are all free. I put out a video every single week. I put out an article every two weeks. So I'm just awesome. here to help, and the only thing I'm selling you is a book at the end of the day, which it ain't all bad. No stuff change your life.
1: It's clear you're a teacher, and it's clear that you're interested in helping people above all else because you, you you do give away a ton, frankly, a ton of ton of information. Um, but I still say, for my side of it, go get the book. <laughs> go go to the website, do these things. They're all free. Like you said, they're all free, guys. They're there, right? And, and the, part of the problem with the internet is that you don't know who to listen to. Everyone gives advice, right? Like you said, there are folks out there that think they can make you know 9 billion or 7 billion people an entrepreneur. They can't. But you're, you're giving away advice. And I'm telling you, if you don't know, just Google Gino Wickman, right? The, the guy, he knows what he's talking about. So go get the book, go to the website, take the assessment, use the tools that are there. Give yourself a chance to succeed. Don't, you don't have to do this blind. You don't have to figure it out like you're the first person to ever start a company. It's been done before. And there is great, great lessons to be learned. Uh, again, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with this. Let other people's hindsight be your foresight. And the things that you can accomplish when you have that mentality is off the charts amazing. And that's exactly what you're doing in this book. And Gino, thanks for doing this. Thanks for agreeing to be on the show. Thank you for taking the time. I'm a huge fan of yours. This was a true honor and a thrill for me. And and I really appreciate it. And Mike, I'm stealing
0: your piano analogy. You're getting credit for it. I'm going to make you famous. And this was an absolute blast.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of your year. Stay healthy. And I look forward to all the things you do in the future. Thank you again.
0: Thanks. Right. Appreciate
1: it. All right. Well, that was a humongous throw for me. I hope you guys understand how incredibly awesome that information was and what he shared with us today in this discussion. If you don't know who he is prior to hearing him, hopefully you see what he brings to the table. Uh, I really think you should go out and he's very, um, you know he, he's very uh, humble he, he's not telling you to go grab his book right now he's giving you a lot of free resources i think you should go get the book it's fantastic it really really is and if this is the first time you're hearing about gino and you weren't familiar with him go and check out traction as well it's a great book for putting together and the foundations of your company and also how to run that company going forward so that you have the highest chance of success Guys, Gino Wickman is a a real hero of mine in in the business world. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, interviewing him. And I hope you understand how great that was because it was great. So go out there and take some action, guys. You heard the six traits. If you have those traits, get out there and make it work for you because it was what you were born to do. All right. We'll talk to you next time.